0: First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, would you turn with me to First Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles 16, you'll find that in the Old Testament, right after the books of Samuel and the books of the Kings. I don't know if anybody else is excited, but I am excited about Thanksgiving this week. I love uh, Thanksgiving. And you know, historically, this is a very special Thanksgiving. Uh, This is the 400th anniversary of what many people would consider the first Thanksgiving that happened back in 1621 when the Plymouth colonists who had come over on the Mayflower uh, celebrated with their Native American friends. They had a reason on that particular day to give thanks. They had survived a very brutal winter the year before and had just had a successful corn harvest. And so they set aside a day, actually three days, uh, to celebrate and to thank the Lord. A couple hundred years later, in 1863, in the middle of the Civil War, uh, President Abraham Lincoln made it a national holiday And we have been setting aside this fourth Thursday of November as a day for thanksgiving in our country ever since. The passage that we are looking at in God's Word today was like a thanksgiving day for the ancient Israelites. They had a reason on this particular day to celebrate and to thank God. And the reason that they had to thank God was that the Ark of the Covenant which represented the very presence of God among his people had come to the city of Jerusalem for the very first time. Now, this was the same ark that God had commanded Moses to construct. In the wilderness, they carried the ark with them during those 40 years that they wandered in the desert. After they came into the promised land, the ark uh, had been in a number of locations, spent some time in Gilgal and in Bethel and in Shiloh. In the books of Samuel, we read about a time that the Philistines defeated the Israelites in battle and captured the ark and took it back to their own country. But you might remember that story. Every city that they took it to, uh, havoc uh, broke loose on them. And so finally they said, here, you can have this back. And they gave the ark back to the Israelites. And David had already tried one time, King David, to bring the ark to Jerusalem, but they didn't do it the right way. It didn't go so well. But this time they've done everything right. Had the right folks that were prescribed in the law to carry it. They carried it using the poles as it had been designed. And it was a day of great rejoicing. In chapter 15, you read about how all Israel was there to see it. There was music. Uh, there was dancing. That's why, you know, these weren't Baptists that were doing this, right? But, but they were celebrating. Remember, this is the time that King David was dancing. He was wearing that linen robe and he was whirling around and praising the Lord. And his wife, Michael, was watching from that upstairs window, Saul's daughter. And she didn't like what she saw. She didn't think that David should have been doing that. But in Samuel, We read how David responded to her and said, I will be even more undignified than this when I praise my God. It says in verse 3 of chapter 16 that after they set the ark down, after they offered sacrifices, that David gave everybody that was there a parting gift. And he gave them some food. He gave them a, a loaf of bread, he gave them a piece of meat. He gave them a cake of raisins. That, that sounds a little a bit like Thanksgiving Day to me. If they just substituted turkey and gravy and pumpkin pie, right, they would have been on to something. But, but it was a day of, of celebration. And after the dancing and after the feasting, David organized the choir. He got the choir together just like we saw a moment ago and they worshiped and they sang a thanksgiving song to the Lord. And that song that they sang on this Thanksgiving day in Israel is going to be our text this morning as we prepare our hearts for our Thanksgiving day this week. Let's read it together. First Chronicles 16, starting in verse 7. On that day, David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God, his judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel for an everlasting covenant saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance, when you are few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it. When they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no man to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for your sake, saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Verse 23, sing to the Lord all the earth, Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods. For the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. "'Honor and majesty are before him. "'Strength and gladness are in his place. "'Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. "'Give to the Lord glory and strength. "'Give to the Lord the glory due his name. "'Bring an offering and come before him. "'O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. "'Tremble before him all the earth. "'The world also is firmly established. "'It shall not be moved. "'Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad.'" And let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. Let the field rejoice and all that is in it. Then the trees of the wood shall rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And say, Save us, O God of our salvation. Gather us together. And deliver us from the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people said, and can we say it together, amen, and praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for this song of thanksgiving that you have given to us. We pray today, Father, that you would speak to our hearts through this, your word, And Lord, that we might thank you from the depth of our soul for all you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this beautiful song that Asaph's choir sang on this occasion is really a composite of three different songs that are found in our book of Psalms. All of Psalm 96 is here. The same text is in this passage. And here it is sandwiched between a little bit of Psalm 105 and a little bit of Psalm 106. And so just about everything that you find in this song can be found elsewhere in the Word of God. But here it is put together in just such a way. It is organized in this way for this context of this special day. King David intended for this to be a song of thanksgiving. And we know that because of what it says in verse 7. On that day, David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. This was to be a way for them to thank the Lord for what he had done. Even the first line of verse 8 says that, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. And then as you read through the rest of the psalm, as we just did a moment ago, uh, there are a bunch of things that the singers are really commanding and calling on the people to do in order to express their thanks and their gratitude to God. In in almost every verse in this psalm, there is a command for us to obey. Just look at the first few verses. Verse 8, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. We're being told to do that. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Verse 9. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Verse 10. Glory in his holy name. And on and on it goes. And so these are commands that were not only for them to teach them how they should thank the Lord. These are commands for the people of God today. This is how we ought to thank the Lord as well. And so I want us to look at several of these commands. We won't be able to look at all of them, but I want us to see nine of them. These are nine ways that we can thank the Lord even this week and really every week and every day. First off, as we give thanks to the Lord this Thanksgiving, let's remember to tremble. Now, that word tremble may not be the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of thanksgiving. And yet, to thank the Lord from the right kind of heart, to offer to the Lord thanksgiving from the right kind of heart, comes from a heart that, first of all, has learned to learned to tremble before the Lord and to have a holy reverence for who he is. And you'll find that word tremble down in verse 30. It says, tremble before him, all the earth. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. We know that before we thank God for all that he has done, we first need to remember who it is that we are thanking. Who this great God is who has done all of these things for us. And verses 25 to 27 tells us a little bit more about his greatness. It says, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He's to be feared above all gods. For the gods of the people are idols. In other words, these gods that the nations around them are worshiping are just idols. They're not even real gods. But the Lord has made the heavens. He's the one who has made the earth, as it says in verse 30. He's the reason why the world is firmly established and shall not be moved. And then in verse 27, honor and majesty are before him. Strength and gladness are in his place. You know, when you think about who God is when you think about how powerful he is, how holy he is, you know, if you are a person who has not yet trusted in Christ as your Savior, then an appropriate word to describe the reaction that you should have to the prospect of standing before a holy and righteous God is to tremble. That's what we read in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God will come back to that idea in a moment. But you know, for us who are believers in Christ, we have a different relationship to God, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his grace that we have received. And so we no longer live with, with, with a cowering in fear uh, that the judgment of God is about to fall upon us because we know the good news of the Bible, that the judgment of God has already fallen upon his son, Jesus Christ and because he took the judgment that we deserved and we have received grace from him we know that we are his children and yet we still should have a holy reverence and a just an awe of who God is we should revere him last weekend uh, we had a very special guest a speaker with us nick ripkin who Uh, I know many of you were here to hear from him, but he served as a missionary for 35 years in some of the most difficult places around the world, and he shared some incredible stories with us uh, last weekend. Uh, One that he shared uh, last Friday evening in our Insanity of God conference was a story about uh, four Somali believers that were close friends of his uh, that were martyred for their faith in Christ, and he had taken the Lord's Supper with them just about a week before uh, their martyrdom. And, you know, just again, sharing about the things that God had done and what he had seen. Uh, my two oldest sons were there that night to hear Nick share, and uh, they were already asleep by the time I got home. But the next morning, uh, when I woke up, my 10-year-old, my son Micah, was sitting there in the chair, and, and the first thing that he said to me in the morning after, hello, dad, was, that man that we heard speak last night, he, he is a saint, now, clearly, I'm raising, a, you know, a Catholic son, um, but uh, we know that, of course, we are all saints because of the holiness he has given to us, not our own. But, but I love that my son said that because it just showed that he, he revered this man. And, and, you know, Nick Ripken's the kind of man I want my son to revere, the, the kind of man who has risked his life literally for the sake of the gospel. But but here's the deal if if we can hold in honor a man who has served God how much more should we hold in honor and revere the Lord God himself True deep gratitude starts with true deep reverence for who he is Here's the second thing we need to remember if we're going to give thanks to the Lord we need to remember to call On the Lord's name. Look with me at the first verse in this song, verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. So, right after the singers tell the people to thank the Lord, they tell the people to call on his name. Now, here they don't really tell them what they're calling on his name for. But obviously, when we call to the Lord in prayer, we can call on his name for any number of things. But but at least one of the things that we're to call on the Lord for, I think, becomes clear at the end of this song. If you go to verse 34, you read that same line again, oh, give thanks to the Lord. And then if you look in verse 35, they are calling on the name of the Lord, and they're calling on the name of the Lord and asking him for salvation. Verse 35, and say to him, save us, O God of our salvation gather us together, deliver us from the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. Uh, Of course, as the people of God, we should always be calling on God as our Savior because we know that he still is our Savior. He saves us each and every day, and one day he will fully and finally save us when we come into his presence. We must also take to heart today that every one of us at some point in our lives has to call on the Lord and say something like this prayer that we read here in order to be saved. Because the Bible says that we are all sinners. Because of our sin against God, we are separated from him. But God loved us. God sent his son Jesus to die for us on the cross, to pay for our sin and to rise again on the third day. But each of us must personally, individually respond to what Jesus has done. We must call on his name. You know, in the New Testament, we read about calling on the name of the Lord. Here's what it says in Romans 10, verse 13. It says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if today you know that you need to be saved, that you need that forgiveness that comes from Christ alone, then call on his name and say, Lord, save me. Lord, forgive me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to follow you the rest of my life. And so first we tremble before him and we start to understand how amazing and awesome God is. And then we call on his name. Number three, we seek the Lord. That's something that as believers we should never stop doing. You, you see it there in verse 11 of this song. It says, Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face evermore. I love how the ESV puts the last phrase in that verse it says, Seek his presence continually. And when we're in awe of who God is and we are thankful for what God has done, then we're going to want to seek him because we cannot get enough of him. A scripture verse that has been in my heart, and, and really the Lord has kept bringing it to my heart and my mind many times over the last several years, is Psalm 27, 8, where we read, When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Now the Lord is inviting us to seek his face. He's inviting us to seek his presence, to seek for more of him, but we have to respond the way that the psalmist responded. We have to say, you said to me, Lord, seek my face. I say to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Because the reality is we will get as much of the Lord's presence as we want. And right now in your life, does your prayer life right now indicate that you are seeking for more of God? Does the amount of time that you're spending in the Word of God indicate, is that that a sign that right now you are seeking for more of God, that you cannot get enough of Him? Do you want more of the Lord or do you want more Netflix? Do you want more of the Lord or do you want more college football? Do you want more of the Lord or do you want more Disney vacations? Because we'll get as much of the Lord as we want to get. And so this Thanksgiving, let's seek his face. Let's seek for more of God because we cannot get enough of him in his presence in our life. Because we believe what it says in Psalm 16, that in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Not only are we taught, called to seek the Lord, the, the singers who are leading this song also invite us to join the song. They invite us, number four, to sing. You see that there in verse 9? It says, sing to him, sing psalms to him. You see it at the beginning of verse 23, sing to the Lord, all the earth, proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. And so in those two verses, three times we're told to sing to the Lord. You know, when you have joy in your heart because of what God has done in you, there, there there's several ways that you could express that joy. Uh, one of them that we talked about earlier is by dancing, just like David did. I, I do love what the speaker said last week about that as Baptist, right? He said that it isn't that uh, we don't dance, it's that we can't dance. And, 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 uh, and that, that is a reality. And um, as a spoiler alert, if you do come to the Christmas show, your pastors will, will prove that uh, to you to be, to be accurate. But, you know, far easier for me to express my joy in the Lord is, is to sing. And we're being invited here to join that song. I, I saw how the youth group, uh, they're doing a fundraiser. I thought it was a pretty neat idea. They had a fundraiser of, of uh, Christmas carol grams. All right, so you can you support the, the, the youth, help them go to camp next summer, and they'll go to somebody's house, and they'll show up on their doorstep, and they'll sing to them Christmas carols. But, you know, there, there's something about Christmas carols, at least for me, and, and if you've known these carols, you know, throughout your life, it's hard to just stand there and, like, listen to somebody else sing a carol. Right? Because what do you, you, want, you want to join in that, right? You hear somebody sing Silent Night, and you're like, I want to sing Silent Night. You, you want to join in that. And, and this should be true for all of our life. There should be something in us that wants to join the song. Because we have a new song to sing, church, every day. Because His mercies are new. Every morning. And so we tremble, we call, we seek, we sing. Number five, God's thankful people will also proclaim. So it's, it's not enough that the joy overflows and so we have to sing and express our own joy because of what he's done in our life. We also cannot hold it back. We also have to proclaim what he has done for us to others because we love them and we want them to experience the same thing we've experienced. You know, over and over in this psalm, we, we read that, that theme, if you look in verse 8, the end of verse 8, it says, make known his deeds among the peoples. The end of verse 9, it says, talk of all his wondrous works. The end of verse 23, it says, proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Verse 24, declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all people. There's Four different words that are used in this song that are all talking about the same thing to make known, to talk, to proclaim, to declare. But again, they're all saying the same thing that we cannot hold it back, what he has done in our life. There's also, of course, a mission element in these verses as well, because the singers are saying to make it known to all the peoples, all the nations. Reminds me again of our Engage Missions week that we had last week. And let me just tell you what what a great encouragement it is to see so many in our church who who do have that passion to proclaim the good news in all the nations. To see so many in our church who who have signed up already to go on mission next year and to do exactly what we just read, to make his name known among all peoples. And there are many also who signed up and said, you know, I can't physically go, but I can pray, I can give, I can help others to go because that's what's in my heart. I want the nations to know about the Lord. And when that's what's in our heart, that's a reflection of what's in the heart of God who says, let all the peoples praise him. So we proclaim. Number six, we also give. We see that in verses 28 and 29. Look at that with me. It says, Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. That that word give in verse 28, in some translations, instead of give, you'll see the word ascribe there. Ascribe to the Lord. Because when you think about it, we really can't give to the Lord when it says give glory to the Lord, can we give to the Lord any more glory than he already possesses, right? No, he shares his glory with us, right? We don't have any glory of our own to give to him. We can't add to his glory. When it says give to the Lord strength, can you give to someone who is omnipotent any more strength than he already possesses? No. And so we're not giving him glory. We're not giving him strength. What we're doing is we're ascribing those things to him. We're acknowledging those things, that they are true of him. We understand that in our hearts, that he is glorious, that he is all-powerful. We ascribe these truths to him. And because we do, in the middle of verse 29, as an expression of what's in our hearts, it says, bring an offering and come before him. Again, not because he needs it. He doesn't need, he's not, he's not uh, missing anything, right? We're not giving him something he doesn't already have, but it's an expression of what is in our heart that we know, Lord, you are worthy of, of my time, my treasure, my talent, my praise. And so I come before you with an offering and I lift it up to you because I know you're worthy of this and infinitely more than this. Number seven. We're going to thank the Lord this Thanksgiving. It almost goes without saying that we also need to praise the Lord. We need to worship him from our hearts. And this song invites us to do that. It invites us to worship the Lord. The beginning of verse 10 says, glory in his holy name. The end of verse 29 says, oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And then the verse that we mentioned already but it's probably the most well-known verse in this song, verse 25, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. You know, it is hard sometimes to distinguish between thanksgiving on the one hand and praise and worship on the other. And in reality, the two really flow back and forth between one another, right? Praise leads us to thanksgiving and thanksgiving leads us to praise. But a really simple way to kind of understand that is that thanksgiving is when we're thanking the Lord for what he has done, whereas praise is when we're praising the Lord for who he is. And we need to do both. And so this, this Thursday, when hopefully... Uh, you sit down and you take that piece of turkey and you dip that in the gravy. I mean, come on now, I'm ready. <laughs> and, you, and you take that to your mouth and you, you, you remember to thank the Lord for his good gifts. Remember that every good gift comes from him and is a reflection of the goodness of who he is. And so let your thanksgiving lead you to praise. When you look around the table and you see your family sitting there and you see your friends there, remember to praise the Lord. Remember that the love that you share with one another in your family is but a dim reflection of the infinite love that flows from the heart of our Father for us. This Thanksgiving, let's praise the Lord. And you know what? Just to make sure you're all awake, why don't we just praise the Lord right now? Can we do that? Y'all repeat after me, the Lord is great, the Lord is great. And, greatly to be praised. and greatly to be praised. All right, now come, there's a lot of people in here. Y'all can do better than that. Now, we're, we're going to try it one more time. And I, I want the Sunday school classes across the hall right over here to wonder what has gotten, they, they've gone charismatic in there this morning. <laughs> All right, so let's say, the Lord is great, the Lord is great. And, greatly to be and greatly to be praised. And he is, isn't he? Let's praise him. Number eight, almost through. Let's anticipate. Let's anticipate the day that is coming when all of creation will join in the song. Look at verses 31 through 33. We read this Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field rejoice and all that is in it. Then the trees of the wood shall rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. Over and over in those verses, you see that word let right? Let the heavens, let the sea, let the field. But what does it mean for us to let them, right? We're not the ones right now who are holding back the seas from praising God, right? Not holding back the field. It's not like if we move our hands, they'll be able to, to praise. We don't have the power to cause them to praise the Lord. So what does that mean? I really believe that this, this is a prayer, right? We're, we're longing to see that happen. We're longing to see. When we say let this happened, it's because we want it to happen. We want all of creation to join in the song because we know that our great God is worthy of all of creation praising him. And we know that one day this will be fulfilled. You know, this really is a picture of when Jesus returns and he rules and reigns on the earth, particularly during that thousand year reign in the millennial kingdom and even in the new heaven and the new earth beyond that. And, and you see that at the very end, the, the last line of verse 33, for he is coming to judge the earth. Who's coming? Our redeemer, the Lord Jesus is coming. He will rule and reign on the earth and all creation that has been held back because of the curse of sin that started back in Genesis chapter 3, right? We read in Romans chapter 8 that that curse will be gone, that all of creation will be able. Right now they're groaning longing for that redemption to come, but that day will come when all of creation will be able to lift up that song. So this Thanksgiving, let's anticipate that that day will come. So in our song of Thanksgiving so far, what have we been commanded? We've been commanding to tremble, to call, to seek, to sing, to proclaim, to give, to praise, to anticipate. Number nine, lastly, before we come to the table of the Lord together, the last thing we need to remember is to remember. You know, sometimes you have to remember to remember, don't you? We, we skipped over this part, but really the whole middle of this song is about remembering. Remembering. From verse 12 all the way down to verse 22, it's all about remembering what God has done. If you look at verse 12, you'll see that word remember. Verse 12 says, Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. And then for the next several verses, it really just kind of recounts for us the the story of the Old Testament the things that God has done. But in particular, the emphasis is on the covenant, the emphasis is on the promise. That God made, first to Abraham, and then he repeated it to Isaac, to Jacob. It was a promise that through Abraham, one day every family on earth would be blessed. And so that covenant is what is emphasized in this passage. That covenant is what they're being told to remember. Well, you know what? We now know how that covenant was fulfilled. We now know, and we're going to celebrate it all next month, that one night in Bethlehem, a son of Abraham was born. He lived a life that has never been lived before, a perfect, sinless life. He taught things that have never been taught before. He did things that have never been done before. And then he came to the night before he died on the cross and he met with his disciples in an upper room and they took this meal for the first time, and he infused it with meaning about what he was about to do on the cross. And when he spoke about that, he used both of those words that we just read in Chronicles, covenant and remember. This is how Paul recorded it for us in 1 Corinthians 11. He said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, This do as often as you drink it, here's that word again, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. In the song and chronicles that we've studied today, the people were commanded to remember the covenant and to remember God's grace. We're being told to do the same thing. Here Jesus commands us to remember the new covenant in his blood and to remember the grace that is ours because of what he did for us at the cross. He has commanded us to do what we're about to do. Do this in remembrance of me. And so this Thanksgiving church, let's give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name and make known his deeds among the people. But let's start by remembering together what Jesus has done for each of us.